This week for many of you may have been a hard week. This week I had a especially hard week. I preached my third funeral in eight days. Had a very tough funeral Friday morning for a 20-year-old young man. Had that in the morning that evening. I'd taken my family to the football game. After the football game, we were going to get the, the, the bus for the tennis team. And we were sitting on Wilbarger Street parked with our turn signal on stopped. And a car hit us in the back, car going over 40 miles an hour. Car doesn't stop, doesn't touch a brake. Um, very tough experience, carries it home recovering. Everybody's okay. Everybody in God's grace, his hand was with us that evening. But it was, it was a tough week and a tough day. And I, and I sit here yesterday morning and I was thinking, you know what Jesus said, and he says it in the Gospel of John, that in the world you will have tribulations. You will have troubles. That's what Jesus says. Peter said the same thing. Listen to his words. He said, we will be grieved by various trials. In another place, Peter says that fiery ordeals, listen to the, the heaviness of those words, fiery ordeals will beset you. Uh, they will be upon us. James says the same thing. He says, we're going to meet various trials. As we live through these days, various trials are going to come. Uh, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to Timothy. He says, in the last days, and I believe that's where we're at right now. He says, in the last days, difficult times will come. Well, today, this morning, as we look around, we surely see those days. We see those trials. We see those hardships. Surely today, we are consumed in the midst of difficult times. And as we move through this life and as we experience the heartaches of it and the setbacks, as we suffer for the failings of others and our own failings as well, and as trials and fiery ordeals, gut-wrenching ordeals beset us as we move through this life, here is the question. What is a believer to do? What are we to do in these days? What, what can we do as we face troubles, as we experience hardships, is there something that we should do? Is there something we're missing? Is there something that we can do? Is there something we can do? What are we to do as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ? Friends, I believe this message this morning is right on time. I believe the message this morning is right on point, and I believe all of us in God's sovereign directing and in his great grace, I believe, need to hear this message this morning. What are we to do in these days? Believers, friends, we're to pray as never before. We're to pray as if our lives depended upon it. We're to pray as if it were our very last resource. We're to pray as if tomorrow might not come because one day that will be the case. Very simply, believers, we are to pray in these days. Today our message is entitled, Persistent Pleading for Terrible Times. Persistent Pleading for Terrible Times. We've moved to the 18th chapter now, Luke chapter 18. Today we're going to look at the very first eight verses. Luke chapter 18, again verses 1 through 8. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 18, beginning here in the first verse. Now, he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and, to not, and not to lose heart, saying, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. 
there was a widow in that city and she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, we're thankful that we come to a living God, a gracious God, God a, a marvelous God. We come today, we're thankful that through Jesus Christ that we, we have access to the living God and we praise the name of Jesus Christ. We come on this day when we see hardships around us and, and maybe folks are going through relationship troubles or financial troubles or, or health issues. We watch the state of the world around us. We watch, we watch the natural disasters around us and we see that folks are, are hurting today and we come in the midst of hardship. But we come to the God who is gracious and kind and powerful and mighty and answers on behalf of his people for his glory. I come now and I pray that in this hour and this time that you would speak to us I pray as we study your word this morning that you would open it up, that you would open our eyes and our ears to hear it and to receive it, and that we would be instructed this morning according to you and your word. I pray for some in this hour and every hour that we would, we would commit to reach people who do not know Jesus Christ. I pray that in this hour, if there's one in this room and perhaps several that do not know Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would speak to them today, that you would draw them with your spirit today, and I pray that today might be the day of their salvation. I pray for us that are believers, that we would be renewed, that we would become passionate about the cause of Jesus Christ. We love you and we praise you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today we're gonna to begin and move very quickly back to our verses today. Let's begin by looking here at the first verse. It says this. Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. Now listen to that again. The chapter starts and it says, now he was telling them a parable to show, to illustrate that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. Here's we start the 18th chapter. We move into the first verse. Jesus is teaching his disciples. And understand this is directed to followers of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us he is getting ready to introduce to them a parable to show them, a parable to paint a picture, to, to illustrate for them that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. So again, he's gonna introduce this parable. It's gonna paint it in a, in a way that people could understand the fact, the truth that at all times they ought to pray and to not lose heart. Now, see this is tied directly to the context at the end of chapter 17. 
chapter 17 where he has been talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so I want you to see the broad picture here. Understand these verses are tied to the hard days. They are tied to the urgent days. They are tied to the, to the vitally important days before the coming of Jesus Christ. Now, remember those days happen, or the days that we're in right now, are between his ascension after his resurrection and the day that he would come again. And so understand, in those hard days, in those urgent days, in those vitally important days, Jesus is saying his followers should pray at all times and not to lose heart. Now see this. To lose heart in the Greek, in the original language, that word, to, to, that understanding, to lose heart, means to faint or it means to give up. It actually literally translates to give in to evil. Now, what that means is in these trying days, in these days of trouble, in these days where fiery ordeals beset you and come upon you, in those tough days, there is a strong temptation even for Christians to give up. In those tough days, there's a strong temptation even for believers to give in. And you've been standing for the truth of Jesus Christ and you've been standing in the cause of Jesus Christ, but in the midst of this terrible trouble, there's a response inside of you that desires to give in even to evil. And what that means is this. There's a point where you say, you know what, it's not worth it. There's a point where you say, it's not doable any longer. And you're tempted to give in and to concede. Well, evidently the way to not lose heart, Jesus is telling us, is to pray at all times. See this today. Very clearly as we begin, we have to be praying. Listen, we have to be praying. We've got to be praying. In these hard, hard times, in these tough times when we're tempted to give in and when the, the struggles seem to be too much, we have to be praying as followers of Jesus Christ. That's the truth. He makes it very clear at the start. Now we move into the parable, verse two. Saying, in a certain city, there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. Here he's gonna start the, the picture of the parable. In a certain city, there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. So in this city, there is a judge operating, residing there in this city. And Jesus says of this judge, he does not fear God and he does not respect man. Now, what that means is he viewed no one, not God, not anybody else, as his superior. What that means is he was the center of his world and he did, not, he did not regard God and he did not regard other men as well. He had no respect for them. Now let me say this, and this is just a side point and it's just free information this morning, but let me say this. If you find a person, and I believe this is 100% true and you can mark it down, if you find a person who loves and fears God, it is gonna show up in how they treat men. I truly believe that. You find a person that truly 
loves God and fears God and respects God and has a relationship with God and it's gonna show up in how that person treats men. If you see a person who's, who's godly, has godly love for men and they honor men and they respect men and that is, that is a reflection, I'm telling you, of the heart that they have that honors and loves God. Sometimes we find a bunch of people and in the last days, I believe it's, it's growing more and more common, we find people who profess some great godliness, who profess to have some great esteem for God, and yet you watch how they treat people. And it reveals their heart. Well, it's the same way with this unrighteous judge. Verse two again. Saying, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. Verse three. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him, saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. Now, to understand the picture here, you have to see the fact that a widow in this culture had no value. A widow in this culture had very few rights. Her value was tied to her husband. Now he is gone, and so without him, she has no value. And so see the picture. Here is the judge who respects no man, and yet here is this woman who has no respect. She's the lowest of the low. A woman with no value, a woman with few rights, the Bible says, comes to the judge and seeks justice for her cause. She seeks legal protection from the judge says this, she kept coming to him. In the original language, it means what it says, repetitively. She kept coming to him, and she just kept coming to him. Give me legal protection from my opponent, and she just kept coming. Give me legal protection from my opponent. Listen to verse four. For a while, he was unwilling. For a while, he didn't care. But afterward, he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, listen to verse five, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. Verse five says this, because this widow bothers me, it has the meaning, because this widow troubles me, because she pesters me, because she causes me great inconvenience, because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. He says, I will grant her request. Then he gives the reason why. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. Wear me out has a strange meaning in the Greek. It literally means she will give me a black eye. kind of like a woodpecker that just won't go away. She's gonna wear me out and she's gonna end up giving me a black eye. She is absolutely working me over. And so see the picture here. The judge with all of his position, the judge who had no concern for those underneath him, the judge that only had concern for himself, and then here's the lady, the widow 
who comes, and maybe she comes on Monday morning saying, give me legal protection, and then maybe he comes out on the way to lunch and she's standing in the hall and says, give me legal protection, and then maybe he gets ready to go home at five o'clock, she's outside again, give me my legal protection, and he says, the lady's driving me crazy, and he comes back on Tuesday morning, and who's up there by the door? Give me legal protection. And he steps out, I'm gonna go to the restroom, I need a break here, and there she is. Give me legal protection. Two o'clock, I'm gonna slip out of here early. I'm gonna go out the back door. I go out the back door. Hey, give me legal protection. She continually wears him out. And he caves and grants her request. Verse six. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. You hear what he said. What's getting ready to happen is what he's saying is this. You heard what he said, but get get the meaning. What he's saying here is disciples, get the meaning. People who are living in tough days, get the meaning. Calvary Baptist Church, get the meaning. Listen, you heard what he said, but now listen to this. Verse seven. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night, And will he delay long over them? Here in verse seven, we have the application. Now, listen to the promise here in verse seven. It says, now will God, not the unrighteous judge, but God who's absolutely righteous, who is absolutely just. Will not God, not that judge anymore, but God, will not God bring about justice for his elect? Now, the word elect there, it is a plural word. It means believers, his people. Will he not bring about justice for his elect who cry out to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? He asks a rhetorical question to them. And then we have the answer in the first part of verse eight. Jesus says this, I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. The response, he asked the question in verse seven, the response, the first part of verse eight. Jesus says, I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. Jesus says this, God will hear your prayers, God will answer your prayers, and you can mark it down, the right thing will be done. Not only that, he says, it will be done quickly. That's what Jesus says. Here's a deep thing. Now stay with me. Here's a deep question. If it is done quickly, why do they have to cry out day and night? Doesn't that seem kind of silly? If if, if it's going to be done quickly, why don't they just cry out once and the answer would happen? If they cry out quickly, if if it's going to be done quickly, why do they cry out day and night. Look at this. Here's a truth about our God. I want you to listen very carefully. His justice, listen to me, his movement is always right on time. And God's justice on our schedule might seem to be delayed. Oh, why hasn't he acted? Why hasn't he done this? His justice on our schedule might seem to be delayed. 
But on God's schedule, God's acting, God's justice is always exactly correct. Now, where am I getting that? Going back to the second coming in the 17th chapter. There at the end of the 17th chapter. I want you to see how this stacks up and how it unfolds this morning. In the second coming, when he comes, for some it's going to be deliverance, but for most it's going to be judgment. When he acts, for some it's going to be salvation, but for most the door of the ark is forever going to be shut. When he acts, for some it is going to be grace offered and grace received, but for most, it's going to be judgment that is rendered. And so God's delay is not in indifference. It's not because he doesn't care, but his delay is in forbearance. His delay is in patience because he cares for all. Do you see that? But make no mistake, justice is coming. And God hears the prayers of his people and God will act and his faithful followers will be blessed. That's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. God hears. And just because he's not on our timetable, he's on the perfect timetable. Our our timetable's not his timetable, but he hears the prayers of his people. And when the time is right, in his great grace, he will act and justice will reign. The last of verse eight is very interesting. It says this. I'm gonna read all of verse eight. I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. Here's the last part. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? He closes up this section and he says, However, when the Son of Man comes, when Jesus comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now what happens is Jesus says, here's the truth about prayer. Here's the need for prayer. He establishes that truth, but he ends by asking the question, when he does come, will he find faith on the earth? Here's the truth. After the terrible days, after the great temptation of these days to operate in the world and to operate for the world, when Jesus comes, Jesus is saying here, true saving faith will be rare. That's what Jesus is saying. When he comes comes on that day, most of the world will have missed it. When he comes on that day, there's gonna be a lot of people talking about shades of faith and types of faith, but true saving faith is gonna be rare. How sad. How sad that Jesus realizes that up front. I'm going to the cross to buy them, to purchase them. I'm going to pay the price of their redemption. And grace is offered, and it's grace offered freely. And the door of the ark is open. But on the day that I come, saving faith is going to be rare. How sad for Jesus. Sadder for us. So the question is, what do we do in these days? What can we do 
in these days? What should we do in these days? Three things. Three things to do in these days. The first one is this. Pray. We have to pray. We have to be a praying people. The God of the universe invites us. In fact, he calls us to pray. We are able to come and we're able to hear his voice. Listen to me, we have to pray. What do we do in these tough days? We pray. Second thing, we pray frequently. We pray frequently. Picture the, the widow here that wore the judge out and she, she kept coming to him and she kept coming to him and she kept coming to him and she was, she was relentless and she wears him out. Let me ask the question, why should we do the same? Listen to me. Why should we be persistent in prayer? It's because it shows our trust in him. It's because it shows our hope alone is in him. And when we do that, we're saying, Lord, you're all that I've got. Lord, I've got nowhere else to turn. Oh, Lord, my answer alone is in you. And so I'm here again. And in an act of worship, I persistently plead. Lord, I've got nowhere else to turn. Third thing, pray fervently. Pray fervently. Verse seven says this. They, listen to this, cry out to him day and night. Do you understand the magnitude of that? They cry out to him day and night. This is not some token prayer. This is not some memorized verse that they recite numblessly. They cry out, oh God, oh dear God, hear our prayers, my only answer, Lord, and they pray fervently. Verse eight says, and I tell you, listen, this Jesus says, and I tell you, he will bring about justice for them. He answers the prayer of his faithful people. He answers the prayer of those who cry out. And he answers for them. So that's what we do in these days. We pray. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today we come and, and sometimes things are hard, sometimes things are tough. And some folks sit here today and they're brokenhearted as they sit here. Some have suffered loss recently. Some are wondering, well, it doesn't seem like God's hearing, it doesn't seem like God is answering. Some of us have come and we, we feel like we've lost our way and we're looking for which way to go from here. And then we see the promise that you say that you will answer and justice is coming. And it's not on our timetable, but your perfect timetable. And I praise you for that. I pray that we would be instructed today, that we would be a praying people, that we would be a praying church, that we would voice our concerns before you, showing our reverence and our worship of you. I come now and I pray for those in this service who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I pray for those in our lives that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I pray for those in our families that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I pray for those in our town who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I know that you're patient and kind, desiring that none should perish, but I also know that there is a day coming when justice will be served. I, I pray that we will be the beacon of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
I pray that a lost world would find you because of our words, proclaiming your words. And I pray that many folks will be saved. I pray for some in this room today that do not know Jesus. I pray, Lord, that they would put their faith in you on this day. I pray for us that are believers in this room that we would have a renewed commitment to prayer. You alone are our answer. I pray as we come into our time of invitation, Lord, that you would move, that you would lead, that you have spoken, that now you would convict. I pray that decisions will be made. We submit this to you. We tell you we love you and we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.